adopted into an Egyptian royal family. In the passage we've heard, we can see that Moses struggles with his identity as a Hebrew who is not a slave. He feels solidarity for his people, but he doesn't know what to do with his survivor guilt. So having killed a brutal slave driver and discovering that in fact there were witnesses, he flees for his life. It's not really the right qualities and experiences you need to apply for the post of liberator for the people of Israel. You need a good personal statement to turn that around. And in fact, that's what Exodus 2 does. Exodus 2 shows us how Moses gets from being impulsive and violent to the point of murder to Exodus 3, where we find him working as a shepherd, noticing a burning bush, and responding to a call to work rather differently and for God, to secure the liberation of his people and then lead them with all the difficulties that would bring. For Moses, the adversity he experiences is the catalyst by which he is strengthened as a person. He'll need to be resilient during the many years of leadership that lie ahead. Moses' difficulties were due in part the mess he made for himself from which he fled. The struggles of his exile are compounded by the place to which he fled, the desert, a place of austerity indeed. What research into resilience points to are key factors which help people be, be strengthened rather than crushed by adversity. One is embracing the struggle, which Moses does. Had he not, he would have laid down in the desert and died. Moses came across a group of sisters <coughs> who were being hassled by men who thought that they should get to the water first. This time, rather than impulsively and violently reacting, Moses defends the women and waters the sheep. This altruistic act sets the course of his life in a positive direction. Another key aspect of resilience is relationships. Turning away from relationships that undermine and damage you, and seeking relationships of mutuality and support. Moses' actions at the well begin a relationship with the family of the well, who provide him with stability, employment, a mentor in rural increased Midian, a wife, Zipporah, and two sons. A third aspect of resilience is attending to the self, particularly resourcing one's inner life and practicing reflection and self-discipline. Moses' work as a shepherd in the wilderness gave him that space for reflection, the chance to think about who he was, about the faith of his forebears, and the purpose of his life. So struggle, relationships, and the self are key to the development of resilience. And there's also a direction. It seems that in the process of building resilience, altruism is not only an expression of being resilient, but also a means of healing the past. Resilient people report being healed through helping. Many a great leader, saint, or pastor has a story of adversity which has been the catalyst for discovering their vocation. Adversity forces you to prioritise, to recognise what you value, and so what you need to mourn and move on from, what you need to pursue, whether it's from bereavement, a diagnosis, 
or a broken relationship. There is a long history in Christianity as in other religions for people turning to God in times of adversity, and that adversity being not only what strengthens them, but what opens them out to others in compassion. The Canticles of Evensong are a case in point. Mary's unexpected and shocking pregnancy causes her to turn to God in song and turn her heart to the unborn child. Simeon's realisation that death is near spurs words of insight that address his nation. For Christians, being strengthened is part of the action of the Holy Spirit. It's the grace of God. He's not just engaging with the struggle of healthy relationships and attending to the inner self which develops resilience out of adversity. God helps too. A New Testament reading has Jesus describing himself as the true vine. It's an organic image where there is growth and pruning, and fruit is produced. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, and by abiding in him, we produce fruit. Resilience isn't all about struggle. Developing an inner life involves abiding in the presence of all that is true, beautiful, and whole. The presence of God. The fruit, of course, is love. And you'd expect a preacher to say that, wouldn't you? Love one another as I have loved you, is where our New Testament reading ended. S.S. Wesley sets similar words from 1 Peter 1 in our anthem. See that you love one another, he said repeatedly, soaring as we've heard as kind of love. Love is both the means to being strengthened, the means of resilience, as well as its end. So if this sermon were to have a triple A rating, identifying its ability to meet its commitment to preach the gospel, perhaps, rather than the degree of its creditworthiness. The first A would be austerity, which might work, but the harshness of having less in itself will never produce life. Student life shows us that little money and much budgeting isn't what defines student life, but it is endured because of the opportunities of learning, of being creative, and of making friends. So we need to move on from austerity. The second A of the triple rating is adversity, that difficult place from which the path to maturity and growth can begin. There will always be adversity in life, and it invites us to develop resilience, would we embrace it? Our success at coming through adversity will relate to how we invest in relationships that bring out the best of us, and whether we have any in depth and discipline, which is developed by learning, reflection and prayer. Beyond that, overcoming adversity and building resilience comes through the third A, altruism. The path of love is a means to growing holy or holy. It is the end or purpose of human life and is expressed by compassion. Its source is God. Love is itself, experienced by Moses with the flames of the burning bush and described by Jesus as being connected to his branches which abide in the main stem of our 
We can't do much about austerity or adversity when it comes to 